What a past three days it's been in Winnipeg Jets hockey, huh? The Jets became sellers, then they were buyers, and now they've had a game against the Vegas Golden Knights where, despite somehow getting massively outplayed, the Jets ended up winning 4 nothing and are just one step closer to a playoff spot. What is hockey? What does anything mean? You know, why are we somehow talking about the Jets making the playoffs when this team is not really in any sort of competitive form? All these rantings and thoughts in tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets coming right at you. You're Locked On the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. We also have some awesome live YouTube content, uh, the first of which actually just went up this morning, featuring some thoughts on Winnipeg's trade deadline action and a preliminary grade on all of it. I actually do have some thoughts further on tonight's episode to kind of dive in and talk a little bit more about, you know, my overall sense of what the Jets are up to and, you know, some of that's actually going to feed into my thoughts on the game against the Vegas Golden Knights, which took place Tuesday night right after the trade deadline had wrapped up. And, you know, you might be interested to know some of the new arrivals and how they've performed. But, you know, first let's talk about the trade deadline. This, for me, was kind of a mixed bag, I would say. Um, The trade deadline, for me, I'm split on it. I, I think the Jets tried to do two different things. And ultimately, when you start to not really have a direction um, because you're trying to straddle the fence, this is where teams can often find themselves stuck in the middle. And the Jets have kind of been stuck in the middle for many years. I think the mediocrity that they've experienced hasn't necessarily been uh, due to trade deadline choices and stuff like that. You know, it's not really the same kind of fence riding. But in this case, the problem for the Jets is, uh, you know, they're not really bad enough to want to completely blow it up. But they're also not good enough to where you really feel they can get it done with this current group. And so the Jets try to consolidate things and make some really cheap acquisitions. But the more I think about it, you know, the Jets did sell off Cop. Uh, they let Beaulieu go. And obviously they brought in a couple of warm bodies. But when you really think about it, in what the Jets paid and who they brought in, none of these players actually makes that much of a difference. So was this move really to shore up a playoff spot? My feeling is probably not. I think, you know, Shovel Day Off approached this from the sense of, I need to make moves to make ownership happy. They want to see acquisitions and guys who can be more defensive presences. You know, let's get them their so-called playoff race acquisitions and rentals, and from there kind of go in the direction of just riding it out with what you've got. Because I think the expectation is the Jets are probably still going to miss the playoffs, even if it's a very close margin. If that is the correct interpretation, I'm slightly more okay with it, but I do, you know, wish that 
the Jets wouldn't waste assets on opportunities here where you could maybe call up somebody from the Moose instead and see what they're up to. But, you know, by the same token, I think the Jets really want to keep that Moose group together. You know, Manitoba has a decent shot at trying for a deeper Calder Cup run. Do I think they'll win the championship? I have no idea. I don't really know who the top teams in the AHL are this year. The only thing that I know for sure is that Manitoba has been uh, consistently in the upper rankings. I mean, this team got by with very lean resources, and the fact that they are where they are right now is very impressive. So, you know, the Moose might actually be gearing up for something a little bit more special, you might say. And while I do wish that did transfer to, you know, the Jets and, and Winnipeg getting to call up some really cool prospects and players... I can understand why Manitoba might not be as happy about letting some of these players go. So in that respect, I think the Jets have handled things about as well as possible. Um, but the acquisitions of Sanford and, and Appleton for me, you know, they don't really change much. Uh, Morgan Barron at some point might make this lineup and actually be a solid bottom six player. But again, you know, in the in the current present situation, I said last night I would give the Jets a B to a B minus or something in that range. Um I think I, I, I want to stick to that. I think uh, B minus or a B I, I think is fair. I think the Jets did about as much as they could given the likely directives that the front office was issued. And if that's the case, you know, I, I get it. The team really needs playoff revenue. You know, the fans haven't really been enthused recently. Fan engagement just feels really low uh, in terms of like enthusiasm and stuff. I've seen a lot of diehard fans just not really care this year, which is super unusual, and even more surprising, they've actually agreed with the critical sentiments. In the past, whenever you would say something about the Jets maybe not being all that great or honestly playing like a lotto team, you know, your mentions on social media would start swarming. And sometimes that does still happen, but usually the swarming now is in agreement, which, if you're Winnipeg, that's not a great sign. I think the Jets are, are keenly aware that fan unrest has kind of been growing with this team. You know, there was the Bronx cheer the other night that Wheeler got pissed about, and uh, of course Winnipeg ended up beating their opponents. But, you know, for the Jets, I think there's a lot of unfinished business. I think Winnipeg really needs a huge makeover. They really need, you know, really need to evaluate all of the pieces that are on the team and all of the staff that are involved with the coaching side of things, as well as the preparation and training top to bottom, you know, look at the operations and see if if the Jets really stack up against their opponents. I mean, you look at Colorado and how well it's run. Um, in the East, you've got the Panthers and the Lightning. You've got all of these great teams that have pretty decent leadership at the top, and the Jets just have fallen well short of that. It's crazy because a couple of years, this team was talked about as a future Stanley Cup winner, and now they really couldn't be further from it. I do think that, again, the path to getting this team back on track could be a little bit easier if the Jets are smart about who they want to bring in, how they want to do this, etc. But if they screw up, it could really blow up in their faces. Uh, and honestly, standing pat and not really doing much, kind of like acquiring Sanford and Appleton, that might also be a problem, especially if they don't work to resolve some of the issues with some of their top players. At the end of the day, I guess I don't really hate the uh, the trade acquisitions and stuff that the Jets have had, but do I love it either? Mm, you know, it is what it is. The deadline kind of came and went for the Jets. They did the necessary of moving cop, and that was probably the main move that they were looking at. 
Now, some of uh, Winnipeg's acquisitions actually played in a game against the Vegas Golden Knights. You know, very exciting times, I suppose, as the Jets are chasing a playoff spot for Lord knows what reason. Uh, And we'll talk about, you know, what happened with this game, whether it was really worth watching and why it's both kind of funny and also concerning. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear about America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Now, if you're not familiar with HelloFresh, what you get is farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Not only is HelloFresh super convenient, it's also fit and wholesome, featuring recipes that are satisfying and nutritious, featuring roughly six options to choose from every week, including low-calorie and carb-conscious options. You can also customize your HelloFresh order to the exact specifications, schedule it when you want, and use the app to change any of your plan details, including delivery dates, plan size, and more, all with a touch of a button. I've actually gotten to try HelloFresh in the past, and I've found it super delicious. Uh, A lot of the recipes are super fresh, the ingredients are really high quality, and you really can't go wrong. I mean, it's super convenient, especially during this COVID era. If you don't want to go to the grocery store, HelloFresh is right there. To get started, go to HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and use code LockedOn16 for up to 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. Again, that is HelloFresh.com slash LockedOn16 and again, use promo code LockedOn16 for 16 free meals and 3 free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Hello friends and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are, of course, uh, running it back after a very busy trade deadline. A lot of stuff happened with the Jets, some of it good, some of it kind of mediocre. And in the wake of everything, we actually had a game the day after, basically, with Winnipeg facing off versus Vegas, uh, absent a few traded players, and uh, I guess you could say seeing some, uh, you know, some fresh new faces, one of which actually wasn't that new. You know, Mason Appleton, we know who he is. We've seen him for a couple of seasons He's not exactly a fresh-faced uh, newbie to the Jets lineup, so I guess you really can't count him, but Zach Sanford, of course, he's never really been around the Jets before other than just having played them a couple of times, and I'm sure it was a uh, somewhat exciting time as he joins yet another organization, probably hoping to find a more permanent spot this go-around. Before we dive into this game in more detail, though, just wanted to say thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Also, be sure to check out the Locked On Now podcast, which is super awesome because you get really short clips from all around our network, giving you the most important hard-hitting news from any sport you're interested in with analysis from our local experts. It's one of the easiest and fastest ways to stay up to date on the latest hockey action, so be sure to subscribe to Locked On NHL for all of the latest Locked On Nows you can handle. Now, Vegas versus Winnipeg was definitely a game of hockey that was played. You could divide it into two halves, the first half before the Jets scored and the second half after the Jets scored, because everything before the Jets scored and even a little bit after they did was just not good. Uh, The first period, Vegas basically just skated circles around the Jets. Winnipeg really didn't touch the puck. I think they had like four shots on goal. Um, Vegas had something like 17. What's super funny is even before the Jets had like the first power play of the game, uh, they, you know, they hadn't even had a shot on goal. So that's pretty crazy. You have a power play before you have a shot on goal. I don't really know how that happens, but you know, Winnipeg hockey works in very mysterious ways. So yay, I guess that's, uh, that's the kind of thing I, I have to say about that. Um, the Jets are, yeah, they're a strange team. Uh, And of course, the power play, you know, got zero shots on goal. So awesome. Good going, guys. 
Vegas made, you know, dispossessing the Jets look way too easy. I, I didn't like the fight level. You know, we talk about grittiness and determination um, and, and certainly the ability to forecheck and all that. And the Jets just really didn't show a lot of those details. In fact, it felt like Winnipeg was a team that was on the second half of a back-to-back, and yet they weren't. Their opponents were, though, and their opponents had like half of an NHL lineup compared to what, you know, the Knights are usually icing. So just really not a good look to be struggling this much. Um, But, you know, the one guy who really showed up, there were a couple, but I think the one in particular that stands out is going to be Connor Hellebuck, which, you know, Helly's been a little bit under par this year for his standards. Uh, Not that I really blame him. I mean, he's still been pretty darn good overall. But, you know, the past several weeks, you would say, there's been a bit of a dip, so for him to have a really strong, at least opening period, was was kind of important. You set the tone, you get him back into his really good tracking, his efficient movement, his great reads, and that's the kind of sound fundamental goaltending you really want to see, in part because, you know, the Jets kind of rely on that when it comes to the playoffs. Uh, but I'm not going to, you know, voice that one too much louder. I think you all know how I feel about the playoffs and how the Jets play and ultimately who was always their playoff MVP. But, you know, this this first half, I, I mean, no one really stood out except Hellebuck and, like, Nick Ehlers. Everyone else, for the most part, I was just kind of like, yep, they're they're out there for sure. They're, they're playing hockey. They're doing something. Uh, and it wasn't really like you could see the Jets finding all that many shooting lanes. In fact, the Jets would have an opportunity, then they'd give up a silly turnover, and Vegas would counter super fast. The funny thing, though, is that Vegas, it didn't feel like had as many high-danger chances as I would have thought. You know, the Jets were giving them the slot pretty freely, and in some ways, Vegas was able to get really dangerous shots on goal, but because they really lack that elite finishing talent right now, thanks to some of the injuries, most of the shots actually didn't seem all that dangerous, at least to me. Uh, There were some chances that were a little bit of a different story. I think Chandler Stephenson had one that was robbed by Hellebuck on the power play. But, you know, the Knights, they're just a bit of a mess. And I I think the past month or so has been especially tough on a team that, you know, has gone through some adversity. But, like, I feel the stuff that's happening to them is what happens to normal NHL teams. You know, they're kind of the strange sheep in the whole bunch, never really having suffered uh, the disappointment of just a full mediocre season. You know, at worst, they've gotten knocked out of the postseason maybe a little bit earlier a few times. But, in terms of just not being all that great during the actual regular season, this is maybe one of the first times where we're actually seeing something of a decline with them. Now, I mentioned that this game kind of uh, could be split into two halves because the second half was a lot livelier in terms of Winnipeg's uh, on-ice performance, even though they were still not that great. After Pierre-Luc Dubois opened the goal scoring on the power play, nice little net front tip that sort of bounced favorably to him. You know, the Jets kind of came to life a little bit, uh, still getting outshot. We'll talk about what exactly happened in the back half of the game and if it actually means anything for the Jets going forward, especially as the playoff picture continues to tighten. Before then, though, I thought you should hear about Built Bar and why they're the best-tasting protein bar on the market. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Built Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Built Bars are. Ready to make the change? 
Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts of tonight's Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are wrapping up a summation, roughly speaking, of Winnipeg versus Vegas, a game that basically was only played for about 30 minutes. After the Jets finally opened the scoring and sort of got things going, the floodgates seemingly opened for Winnipeg. It's not like the Jets were all that great in the last uh, 20 to 30 minutes, but, you know, they scored four goals. Got a couple of nice ones, one from Pionk, uh, off of a great feed from Kyle Connor. I want to say. Uh, there was a Nikolai Ehlers goal where he just sort of muscled his way to the net and tipped it home, beat back a racing defender. Nice goal. Uh, just a, a couple of really, I guess, good vibes goals. Now, the Jets ha- you know, suddenly find themselves in a four-point game, and this is a big deal for them because they're chasing one of those wildcard spots. Dallas also beat the Oilers, so they're very well on track to make the postseason, which means one of those wildcard spots can probably be considered, you know, likely claimed by the Stars unless they knock someone else out of the top three in the Central. I'm not sure if they can actually catch anyone that way, but uh, at the bare minimum, a wildcard spot does seem to be in the cards, so to speak. And that means the Jets are now looking at, you know, a a wildcard spot that's currently being held by Vegas, uh, which for the Jets... You know, maybe they actually can push a little bit further and take one of them. Do I think it's really going to happen, though? I I don't know. You know, Appleton and, and Sanford in tonight's game, I thought they were okay. Um, Appleton is going to take some time to get used to getting back into the, the swing of things, even though he has played here before. You know, some of the Jets' adjustments might be a little bit different from what was under Maurice. Nothing too crazy, though. Um, Sanford, of course, is going to try to find his way here Uh, I do think his game might actually be suited in some ways to how Lowry sees the ice, which might not be great for uh, a lot of really high-end offensive production, but maybe you can get him to be a big body and sort of storm the net. Don't know with him. We'll see. He's more of like a defensive forward than anything, so I just kind of shrug, you know. Uh, My my broader point is, is I don't think anyone here has really moved the needle, even though the Jets, I think, have netted out as a stronger, more balanced roster. The only thing that I would say could counteract that is if the Jets really uh, want to run 27 on the top line over Stastny more frequently. I don't expect that to happen. I do think it's going to get switched up again. But in tonight's game, they did run it. Um, and it, for me, is actually a better arrangement because, you know, if you have Shifley and Wheeler together, we all know defensively and in terms of foot speed how that unit tends to work. And Stastny doesn't really do a lot in helping to make that grouping a lot better. They may score, but unfortunately, they just give so much of it back that it's not really worth all that much. So putting Ehlers back up there, really positive, I think would be a, a smart move long term. The second line, just don't touch it. They they struggled this game, but you know there were still opportunities where they almost scored. It unfortunately got ruled off because of an offsides, but... You know, Zvechnikov had a great, uh, you know, give-and-go sequence here to score what would have been a great uh, one-timer right over Logan Thompson's shoulder. So, yeah, this line, despite the rough game, you still keep them together. You expect them to turn it around in the next couple of weeks. They've been good for most of the year. No real reason to worry about that. 
as far as like the third and fourth lines are concerned, you know, Sanford and Appleton will probably slide in somewhere on the third line alongside Lowry. And then um, you might expect to see, I don't know, on the fourth line, I'm sure Svechnikov is going to find himself somehow down there anyways, because he seemingly gets demoted a lot. I don't know why that is, but he is always the odd man out. I'm hoping that's not the case this time, but, you know, not holding my breath either, I guess. Uh, yeah, you know, Toninato, Harkins, you know, there's just a lot of depth forwards on this team, and most of them, they don't really have enough individual punch to get this team across the finish line. Getting Ehlers back was pretty major, but beyond that, does this team have the ability to compete and go toe-to-toe with the very best? I don't think so as constructed, and so for me, I still think the Jets actually have a decent chance of missing the postseason, and if that happens, I'm okay with it. After that, you can kind of sort things out in the summer and try and map out a more longer-term picture. But maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you think the Jets are on the up-and-up. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Add at your living local and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's episode, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!